With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Sotadaf Mem Dalad. We begin on the bottom of Mem Gimel Amid Beis 43b, the very last line. Va'amrei Bitzchak, Amr Yechon, Mishem Rilaz Ben Yaakov, Meis, on the top of 44a. Meis Tevis Arba Amos Latoma, a dead body. So the four cubits surrounding the area of the dead body, so they are, they have a halach of Toma, which means that if you come into that area, so you're considered Tame, you're, you're considered impure. And the reason is, explains Rashi, because we're afraid that if you come within a certain distance, you might stick your arm over the mace without actually touching it. When you stick your arm over the mace, so you become tummy as well. So since we're afraid that that's going to happen, so we say even within four cubits of the mace, that whole area is considered, uh, you're considered tummy. The tanatuna, additionally we learned like this idea, chatzer akever ha'amid tahor. If you have a chatzer, some kind of courtyard, around a kever, around a grave area, so Rashi explains that this case is talking about where you have a cave that you made into a kever, into a grave, and then in front of the cave, so you have an entranceway into the cave. You've dug down, it's, it seems like it's some kind of underground cave, and you've dug down an entrance. So now, what's the halachic status of that entrance? So the entrance, so over here we say like this, so ha'amin tahor. If you're standing inside of that chatzar, inside of the entrance area, so you're not considered tameh, there's no four amos around the area, there's no four cubits, and if you're even if you're within four cubits, you're still fine. We don't consider it that you're going to be tameh. So Beisham, I'm sorry, does say that you, it has to have an area of four amos. If it has four cubits, then it's a significant area, and therefore you're not going to be tameh. So that's Beis Shammai. Beis Hillel, I'm Beis Hillel says, Arba Tvachim, you don't even need four Amas for it to be considered a significant area. All you need is four Tvachim. So if it has four Tvachim, if it only has four uh, hand breaths, so then it's a significant area and you're not considered Tameh because we're not worried that you're going to stick your hand over where the bed, dead body is. When are we speaking? That the area that's going down into the grave, meaning... You have this area that's walking down into the grave. So it's a courtyard of some sort. It's not actually the grave. The grave itself is inside of some cave. So that area that's going down into the grave, so shepischa milamala. So its opening is above, meaning there's no steps going down, but you actually have to jump down to get into the area that's in front of the grave area. Aval pischa minatsad. If let's say there is an opening from the side to get into that chutzah area, that courtyard area in front of the grave, kol arba amos. So then everyone will agree that you need to have four Amas and four Tfachim isn't enough. So the Gemara is going to say that this actually should really be the exact opposite. Let's see how the Gemara says it. Klapilaya. So it should be the opposite. Adarabba. Exact opposite. Minatsad. Midrid. Vinafik. If you have an entrance from the side, so then it's easy to walk right down. You don't have to stick out your arms. So since you're not going to stick out your arms, so we're not afraid that you're going to stick your hands over the grave area. And therefore all you need is four Tfachim. Milamala, when the entrance is from above and you have to jump down, it's impossible not to have to stick out your hands, and your hands will end up being an ohel, like a tent over the mace. So there, so there, it should require, you should require four, four amos. So the Gemara says like this, when do we say that you need only four tvachim according to Beis Hillel Shepischam and Atzad? If the opening is on the side, meaning you come down steps, but if the opening is above and you have to jump down, your arms will stick out. 
arba amos. So then you need to have a full area of four amos according to Basil as well. This is only the courtyard of the grave, because there it's clear where the walls are. However, when it comes to a dead body alone, so then the four amos around it, indeed, you will become tame if you're within those four amos. And thus we see again, like that previous statement, which was that a mace tofis arba amos lotoma, that the four cubits around a dead body. So if you're within that area, you're considered tame. We continue. Eras Isha Chule, who's the one who has been engaged to a woman, etc. So that person goes back from the war. Tan Rabbanan, Asher Eras. We learned in Abraes that somebody who is engaged, Echad HaMa'aris is a B'sula, whether you're engaged to a virgin, Echad HaMa'aris is a Hamana, whether you're engaged to a previously married woman, a widow, Echad Shemeris Yavim, whether you're waiting for your sister-in-law, even if you have five brothers and one of them died in the war, left behind a wife with no children, so all these cases you go back. Right, so the verse says, I mean, he didn't fully complete the marriage yet. So it could have said, Why does it say, This comes to exclude a case that he's not allowed to marry her. For instance, a widow to a high priest, a divorcee, or someone who has not done Yibum, who's not allowed to marry a, co- a regular Kohen. A woman who is the product of an illicit relationship, or in Nasina is a Givoni woman to a regular Jew, or a girl, a woman, a Jewish woman, to one of these types of people. So all of these cases, they're excluded from this verse, there has to be a good marriage on the way. This would seem to be not like Rabbi Yaglili. Because if it was Rabbi Yaglili, that, that if a person is afraid of some kind of transgression that he has in his hands, so then indeed he would go back. He wouldn't stay at the war. So according to what we're saying over here, he would not go back for a grush of a chalutza if it was a, if it was a marriage that was incorrect. He wouldn't go back for that. But according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, it would seem that he would go back for that because he's doing some kind of transgression. Transgression. You could even say that it is Rabbi Yossi Aglili, like Rabbi, the Amar Rabbi. Rabbi says that you actually have not done any kind kind of transgression if you've only completed the first stage of marriage because you have not had relations with her yet and there's no issa there's no transgression until they actually have relations matam what's the reason why we say don't take her because we don't want you to, to cause some kind of children to, to come out of this that will be inappropriate children for example a kohen a priest who marries a grusha a divorcee so their child's called a chalot he loses the status of being called a kohen so we don't want that to happen but that's the only result of the actual relations so therefore the original marriage although it was improper but it doesn't have the same effect doesn't have the same chiyuv he's not hasn't done the same transgression so that's why you don't have any kind of, he doesn't get any malchus, he doesn't get lashes until he actually has relations. So the bottom line of this all is that since he actually has not done a transgression according to Rabbah, therefore we can talk about the fact that he does not go back for the fact that he has married such a woman because the woman, this marriage that he has with her is inappropriate. So therefore the Torah excludes him from going back in this case. And it's not considered as a transgression to go back for. We learned in a Bryce, Asher Bana. The verse says, anyone who has built a house, Asher Nota, someone who has planted a vineyard, Asher Eras, someone who has 
engaged himself to a woman. Limda Torah the Torah is teaching you uh, the proper way. The first thing a person should do is build a house. Then he should plant his vineyard, meaning he should have some kind of way of supporting himself. And then only after that should a person marry a woman. And Shlomo himself, Solomon, King Solomon, said in his great wisdom, Prepare outside your work. And then prepare in your field for yourself. Afterwards shall you build your house. So what is each of these things referring to? So the Gemara Darshans, it learns out like this. What does it mean, prepare for yourself outside your work? It means prepare for yourself a house. What does it mean, prepare for yourself in the field? It's referring to the fact that you should grow a vineyard. And afterwards, you build your house. What does that mean? Zuisha. This is reference to marrying a woman. So you see the same concept. Another explanation of this verse. Prepare for yourselves outside your work. Zemikra. This is reference to learning the verses of the Torah. What does it mean to prepare for yourself in the field? Zemishna. This is reference to learning the Mishnahis. What does it mean afterwards, build your house? Zegemar. That's reference to the fact that after you've learned the verses and you've learned the Mishnah, so then you have to get the depth of the understanding by learning the Talmud. Another explanation. Prepare for yourself your work. That's reference to the verses and the Mishnah. Prepare for yourself in the field. That's reference to Talmud. What's the final thing? That's doing good deeds because you're supposed to learn and you're to be able to do. He gives us another explanation. What is the first thing? Actually, it's all three. The verses, the Mishnah, and the Gemara. What's the second stage? So that's a reference to doing good deeds. Afterwards, you build your house. What's that referring to? After you've learned in order to do, and you've done, so then you can learn, explains the Marsha, you can learn in depth, you can learn just for the sake of learning Ve'elu, we continue. We said that these do not go back. If someone builds an entrance to his house or some kind of patio or some kind of porch, it's not considered part of the house. It's not considered a house. Tana. So we said later on that if a person has built the same house in this original place that there was house had been and fallen down, so he does not go back because it's not considered a new house. So the Gemara here is saying like this. However, if he added on a layer of bricks, let's say, or there's something new about the house, even though it for all intents and purposes, it's almost exactly the same. So I guess it sounds like since you started off building a new house in the same place, and you've added on something to make it brand new, so therefore you do not go, it's considered, I'm sorry, th- therefore you do go back home, because it's considered that you did indeed build a house, a brand new house. We said that if a person builds a house in an area where the ground is very soft, so he wouldn't go back. Why? Because we learned that they would have to renew this house. They would have to, it would fall down, it seems, or it would have to be fixed again every three and a half years. So since it would have to be fixed every three and a half years, it's not considered that you made a permanent house. It's not considered a good house. Therefore, you do not go back for that house. These do not, you don't move from your place at all. I mean, you don't even go to the place of the battle, to the edge of the, to the Svar, it's called, the Svar is the border. So these don't even go to the border and then go home. Someone has a new wife, 
So all I know is a brand new wife. Almana grusha minayin. How do I know that if I'm marrying a widow or a woman who is a divorcee, that I also go back to Almana? That's why the verse says isha. At first it says isha. Mikol makayim. This teaches us any kind of woman. In came at Almana isha chadasha. So why does it say a new woman? Misha chadasha lo. It has to be new for him. Yatsamachzir grusha. So this comes to exclude a man who is remarrying his previous wife that he divorced. Shein chadasha lo. That she's not considered new for him. Therefore he will not go back from the war. He will not return home. We learned in a Bryce that says he will not go out to the war. We're talking to I might think he doesn't go out to war, but perhaps he does indeed bring water and food, and he does indeed fix the path. That's why the verse says, He doesn't go there for any purpose. So when do we say that this is true, that he doesn't go back for any purpose? Only somebody who's already established and started living in his house. How do we know that if someone has not actually lived in the house, he just built it, so he is involved to the extent that he has to bring water and he has to fix the roads. So again, you might think that somebody who has built the house and not yet moved into it, someone who has planted a vineyard and has not yet begun to eat the fruits, He's married a woman, meaning he's become engaged to a woman, and he has not actually completed the marriage. You might think that there too, he does not have to go at all. Tamalomer, a love. Only for that case, a love, yatamavir. Only someone who's completely completed the marriage, or he's completely begun to eat the fruits, or he's started to live in that house, only then does he not go at all. But for, for someone else, there is a case where he does. So in the case where he's married her, begun the first stage of marriage, but he hasn't completed it, he doesn't get, indeed go to help, but he doesn't go to the front lines. From the, after the fact that we've said that he doesn't go, someone who has completed the marriage, why does the verse have to say he doesn't go out to war as well? This teaches us that if he does it indeed, so he has uh, transgressed two transgressions. Masnisim, we begin the Mishnah. The officers begin to speak aloud to the nation of Gomer, etc. Rabbi Kiva Oimer, Rabbi Kiva says, Hayari Verachalev, someone who is fearful and weak hearted, Kimashmoi. It means somebody as simple as what it says. He can't stand in the, the uh, lines of war. And he can't stand to see a, a sword outstretched. He's scared. He's simply scared. So he's sent home. Rabbi Yisaglili says, No. What's this referring to? Someone who's fearful and soft-hearted. This is somebody who's afraid of the transgressions that he has in his hands. That's why the Torah gave a person so many different options that he can go back if he just built a house, etc. That, that he can go in them so, not to, so as not to embarrass the person who has some kind of avera. All of these inappropriate marriages, so that's the transgression that we're talking about that he has to go back for. We're going to see in the Gemara exactly what Rabbi Yasi Aglili is saying different from Rabbi Yasi. And was when they would finish speaking, to the nation, so they would set up a group of people at the head of the nation. So the, the mission continues from the Pasuk and says they also place people at the, at the ends of the nation, behind everyone. So what does this mean? They would place people in front of them, and others behind them. They would have these axes made out of iron in their hands. 
lachzor. So whoever wants to get out, whoever wants to run away, So the ones who, these guys who are in charge, so they have the right to, to literally chop off their legs to make sure that they don't run away. We turn the page to Mandalat Mabeis 44b. Shetchilas Nisa Nafila. The beginning of running is the end, it's the falling. The Gemara is going to say it should really be the beginning of falling is running. Shanemar, as the verse says, Nas Yisrael of Neplishtim. The Jews ran away from the Philistines. And there was a great magefa, a plague upon the people. Later on it says, They ran away from the Philistines, the Jews. They fell down dead, etc. So you see that the beginning of the end is when they start to run. When is it speaking about? We're talking about some kind of war that the person has the ability to go. He doesn't have to go. But uh, meaning it's, a, it's not a mitzvah to do this kind of war. If we're talking about a war, which is a commandment to do, everyone goes. Even a, a, a groom from his room, meaning he just got married. Even a, a kala, a woman who just got married from her chuppah. So, and obviously the woman is not going to be part of the, part of the actual war, but she comes to help out bringing food and drink, etc. Yehuda says, what are we talking about? When we're talking about that they don't go, or they do go, there's an option to go, that's only by Mohammed's mitzvah, when it comes to a, a Milchama, a war, which is a chova, an obligation, everyone goes, and the Gemara is going to explain what Rabbi Huda is arguing about. He's just, it's all a question of semantics, exactly how we refer to the Milchama, to this war, where you have a choice to go, if it's called Milchama's Mitzvah, a commandment type of war, or it's not called a Milchama's Mitzvah. We'll see in the Gemara. My Ika ben Rabbi Haglili. What is the difference between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yossi Haglili? So Rabbi Yossi Haglili had said that they go back for any kind of transgression that's in their hands. Whereas Rabbi Yossi had said that they only go back if they did some kind of transgression that involves marrying someone who's inappropriate. That's what on the surface they say. So what's the difference between them? So we answer, the difference is, if they've done some kind of uh, transgression which is only rabbinic. So according to Rabbi Yossi Haglili, so you go back even for something which is rabbinic. According to Rabbi Yossi, no, you only go back for something which is the Oresi, which is from the Torah itself. Like whom does it go the following b'risa? If someone has spoken between putting on his shalyad, his hand tefillin, and his shalrosh, his head tefillin, this is a transgression in his hands, and he goes back from the, from the war because of this. So who is this like? So this is like who says that you go back for any transgression, even a transgression such as a derabonon. Man tana lahadetan Who is the one that, that taught us the following brisa, or, or goes like the following brisa? Shema kol karanais. Let's say somebody hears the sounds of the trumpets, vihir tia, and he's shaking. Hagafas trisin. He hears the shields clanking, vihir tia, and he's shaking. He hears the sharpening of the swords, umayim shoisusinloi, and he's literally. You know, he's letting some urine go down in his pants. Al-Birkov on his legs. Choyzer. He goes back. Keman. Lema Rabbi Kivahi. So let us say that this is Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva was the one who says that when we say that he has to go back, he goes back, even simply as it says, he's just fearful. And this is not like Rabbi Yosei who says when we say that someone's fearful, it means they're fearful from some kind of sin. 
So the Gemara answers, Even in this case, Rabbi Yaisi Aglili would agree that indeed he goes back for this. If he's literally peeing in his pants, he has to go back. As the verse says, The verse says, He can't melt his brother's hearts like his own heart. Meaning, if he's so fearful that he's he's shaking, he's literally shaking, so he's going to cause everyone else to be scared. So we get rid of him. Such a person, everyone will agree that he goes back. And it will be when the when the officers finish speaking. It shouldn't say the beginning of running away is falling. It should say the beginning of falling, the first step in the fall, is when we run away. So we say, change it. It should say, because the beginning of falling is running away. We said, what is it speaking about? We're talking about when you have some kind of war which is not mandatory. Rabbi Yechanan says, When the rabbis say some kind of some kind of war, which is not mandatory, This is the same exact type of war that Rabbi Yehuda is referring to when he says it's a Melchamas Mitzvah, a commanded war. Mitzvah derabbanan. This that the rabbis refer to as a war which is commanded. Zuhi chayva Yehuda. This is what Rabbi Yehuda refers to as a chova, which is an obligatory war. So now Amar Rav, Rav explains as follows: Milchamis Yoshua, the wars of Yehoshua of Joshua, lichbaish that he was coming to, to, to overcome the entire land of Israel, the Rabbi called Chayv. Everyone agrees that this is something which is considered absolutely obligatory. Muhammad's based David, the wars of the house of David, Laravcha, which were meant to widen the borders of Israel, the Rabbi called Rishos. Everyone agrees that's something which is not obligatory, not mandatory. Kipligi, where do they argue? What are they talking about, discussing whether or not it's considered a mitzvah? If you have some kind of war that you're going against the non-Jews in order to make sure that they don't fight against us, is that considered a mitzvah or not? So one of them calls it a mitzvah, so they call it obligatory or commanded. The other one calls it, no, it's just a rishus. What is the difference? What you call it? Whether or not it's considered a mitzvah in regards to if you're doing that, if you're involved in such a war, whether or not you still have to do another mitzvah or not. Because if you're involved in one mitzvah, you don't have to do a different mitzvah. So if this is considered a mitzvah, so then you won't have to do a different mitzvah. But this is not considered a mitzvah, then you will indeed have to do another mitzvah that comes along. We will return to you, chapter 8. Mashuach Melchama, we must chaz, we must continue to go over the Gemars that we learned in order to remember them. Egla Arufa, Belashna Kodesh. So the Egla Arufa, the whole story with, where they smash the brain, the skull, I'm sorry, of a calf after they find someone who's dead in between two cities, Shanemar. So that has to be done in Hebrew. Shanemar is the verse says, If you shall find a dead body in a land, so the Gemara is going to explain exactly how we see it from that verse. We'll get there. The elders shall go out. So you have three elders from the great, best in the great court in Jerusalem. And they would go out. Rabbi Huda says no. There will be five. The verse says, It says, which is plural, so you have two. You have two judges. That's two. You can't have an even number on a on a court because we have to have Ram, you have to be able to go after the majority. We don't want to ever have it where you exactly have the same amount on either side. So therefore you have a fifth one. 
If let's you find this dead body inside of a pile of stones, or it's hanging from a tree, or it's floating on the water, so they wouldn't do this whole business with breaking the skull of this calf. The verse says, the verse says you have to find it on the ground, but not inside of a pile of stones. It says that it fell, and it can't be hanging from a tree. In the field, but not floating on top of the water. If let's say you find it next to the border, or in a city, or near a city, which is mostly non-Jews, or a city that does not have any kind of court, so they wouldn't do the whole Egla uh, Arufa, they wouldn't crack the skull of this calf. We only measure, which was part of the process, they would measure between the two cities, see who was closer. It's only done for a city that has in it a court. Gemara. Micah Amar, what are we saying? Meaning, what's the proof that Egla Arufa is only done in Hebrew? Amar Bevo, Bevo says, Hachika Amar. This is what we mean in Shnemar. The verse says, Va'anu ve'amru, they shall respond and say. Here it says that. Ulehalanu Amar, elsewhere it says, by the Levim, by Hagrizim, it says, Va'anu ha'levim ve'amru, v'goymer. It says they shall respond and say, Man, Yahamur lahalim belashna kaidish, just like over there has to be in Hebrew. Avkam belashna kaidish, so too over here has to be in Hebrew. Viseider egla arufa kate. So it has to work, what's the order? Kiyim sechalo ba'adama, when they find a dead body in the, on, the, on the land, Viyotsu zekenech veshevtacha, Shloishami bezan hagalo shvishalayim hayu yotzin. So three would go out from the high court in Jerusalem, they would come out. Rabbi Huda amer chamisha bechulay, so Rabbi Huda says there were five, etc. Tan rabbanan, Viyotsu zekenech veshevtacha. The verse says, the, the elders and the judges go out. This teaches us two. It's plural also, so it's two. Name based in shakul. So this is from the Mishnah. So we say you can't have a, a uh, even number. So therefore, so they add on another one. So you have five. The Rabbi Huda. This is Rabbi Huda Shita. Rabbi Shimon says, So is two. You can't have an even number. So that's how you add on one and then you have three. Rabbi Shimon, what does he do with the, word, the verse Vishaftacha? Why don't you add on another two for that? That's just teaching us that you need the, the very highest, the very best court. So you need to go to Jerusalem to bring those those uh, the, the high court people from there. Rabbi Yehuda, nafka. So Rabbi Yehuda learns that out from the fact that the verse says it could have said zikne, but it says zikenecha. So that extra chav teaches us that we need the highest, the best. Uh, judges in the in the land. Rabbi Shimon says, "Ikaz Rachman is zikne." If it had said zikne, you couldn't have learned it out that way. Have I mean afilu zikne hashuk? Kaz Rachman is zikenecha. So what does the the chaf, the extra chaf, teach us? It teaches us it can't just be stam anybody coming from to make a court. Because Rachman is zikenecha, and if it had said zikenecha, have I mean afilu sanhedri katana? So Zekeinecha is not enough either, because he holds, whereas Rabbi Yehuda holds that it's enough to teach us from Zekeinecha that you need the high court people. So Rabbi Shimon holds, no, that would just teach us that you can have a regular court. That's why it says, This teaches us the best of the best. Rabbi Yehuda, Gamar Zikne, Zikne, Mi Zikne Ha'eda. And Rabbi Yehuda, he learns out Zikne, Zikne, Shava learns that from Zikne Ha'eda. Malahalam Yuchadin Shabeeda, just like over there, it has to be the best of the best. That's talking about by Rashi says it's talking about Smichas Parhelim Dover. It's another case where you see that you need to have the best of the best. So Afkam Yuchadin Shabeeda, so to over here has to be the best. So the Gemara says, wait, we know that Rabbi Yehuda says over there that you also need five. So if you're going to learn it out from there, you might as well learn it out the entire thing. Well, I need to make any drushes here at all. 
learn the whole thing out from there. Why don't we need this drush of Zikanecha Vishavdecha? Ella, so the Gemara says like this. Rather, read it, I'm going to the Bach here. Rather, he learns out Vishavtecha like Rib Shimon. And therefore, he's learning out that Vishavtecha does not teach you that you need another two. So, how do you know that you need another two? Vav Liminyana, the extra Vav of Vishavtecha teaches us that you need another two. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon holds onto the top of 45a, Vav Le Mashmala. He doesn't learn out anything from that extra Vav.